What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Main Stand Podcast, episode 20. 20? 20 episodes. We got Pat, we got Josh, and myself, Mitch, back with another epi. And, uh, boys, halfway point has come and halfway point has gone. Interesting boxing day for a lot of squads and uh, not for a lot of squads as well. A great boxing day for me. It's been a great week for Pat. Just climbing yes. up the table, climbing up the table. It never stops. City top. The Powder table. Blues are having fun. Yeah, we get it. They're clinical. After uh, today's results, now sitting nine points clear at the top of the league with a game in hand. Gross. It's not not looking good. Yeah. No. Um, I'm just going to come right out and say it. I'll stake my claim on the pod. I put it in the comments to our post after Liverpool drop points. I think City are going back to back. I think we're winning the we're winning the title again. It just sucks that today's game is like so hinged on one game halfway through the season. It feels like the league now you have to be almost perfect, if not perfect. Yeah, it's just kind of the generation we live in that two of the best teams ever assembled are, you know, playing at the same time in the same league. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of brutal, but, you know, it is what it is. I The thing I'm concerned about is that I don't want, you know, in 10 years' time for everyone on football Twitter or just football in general to look back and be like, oh, Man City really dominated the Premier League. I don't want Liverpool to be an afterthought because I do think they had a really, really, really good rivalry in, you know, back and forth and – even though it looks like City are running away with it, you know, I still think Liverpool are kind of, you know, top top of the they're world in terms a, of talent. Yeah, and there's still half a season to go, obviously. It's not done and dusted, but that's just kind of the, the way you feel after a weekend like this. Um, Man, I wish we had recorded yesterday, Mitchell. I don't even want to talk about it. Yesterday was tough. Do you want to start out with that, Mitch? Like, just losing to Leicester City. I mean, kind of an unacceptable performance. I mean, it it was and it wasn't. You know, it was just just a weird fucking game. Um, It it was very similar to how I felt watching our game against Villa, in all honesty. It was we dominated in possession. We're getting chances left and right for 90 straight minutes like that like i i honestly haven't seen a liverpool side maintain like that dominant pressure consistently for 90 minutes and come up empty-handed yeah the only difference between this game and the villa game was that sala made his pen against villa really it's the same 21 shots to six 21 shots. What stings more is the fact our B team beat them five days ago. And it was more convincing. Yeah. Somehow, you know, like it was a solid, solid game. Casper Schmeichel just stood on his fucking head. Unbelievable saves left and right. Um, Aggravating mishap to let in that goal by Lookman. It was a good goal. It was a good goal. And and I think Arlo said it best on the broadcast. 
you know, you expect Matip and Van Dyke to handle that comfortably. And he just turned and banged one home. Yeah, what, I thought, five I thought minute, Trent Five minutes after better. he came on. Trent could have done a lot better. Uh, but, hey, we had nearly 600 passes in that game, 230 more than Leicester, with 81% passing accuracy. I mean, like well, – I think it really comes down to the fact that Liverpool just, I mean, we chatted about this in our little, you know, the main stand group chat, like during and after the yep. game, anything like that. But it just feels like Liverpool really struggled to break down deep blocks. Um, I know I, I happened against Chelsea heavily. Too. Yeah. It, they just struggled to break down teams like that. And I, you know, personally, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that they kind of lack creativity all over the pitch. Um, you know, you, you look at the only other team that you could really compare this Liverpool side to, which is this Man City side. And they have like, you know, three or four guys that are like more than capable of, you know, picking that metaphorical lock, turning that key, whatever the fuck you want to call it, just like cracking through those deep blocks because it's like what they come up against almost every week. When this Liverpool side doesn't come up against teams they're going to play them man for man or play them in transition and they're going to give them time on the ball it doesn't feel like they really have a guy outside of Mohamed Salah right now that can really like have an individual moment to open a defense up it, it feels like they're really really heavily relying on you know again like a, a moment of, of Salah brilliance to, you know cause some chaos either in transition or in that block beat three or four guys on the dribble and then open up space that way. But that I don't know, and, to me, it feels like Liverpool don't really have like that that talismanic guy that can open up a defense like that that's going to sit 10 people behind the ball. Um, yeah, you know, like Mitch said, saw it against Chelsea, seeing it against Leicester. Um, and I, I think the games that Liverpool have struggled in have been the games where, where teams give them that extra time on the ball, kind of let them make those more or less um, – unimportant passes and you know are just like come beat us everybody you have to beat is directly in front of you you have the ball can you do it and uh it just feels like they really struggle to to do it when that is what they have to to win the game yeah and i and i think i think the midfield situation that we had this weekend or what yesterday tuesday tuesday um I don't know what day it is anymore. I've been awake for 30 hours. Um, we had Ox, Fabinho, and Hendo. And this is this is a, a midfield three that are almost all three just box-to-box midfielders. They don't push in. They don't open up the box for Mo Salah or Sadio Mane to make those darting runs now Jota is, you know, picking up Mane's slack this year. But Ox, Fabinho, and Hendo all just take long shots. They don't they don't draw any defenders out of the box to open up play. This is a game where I would love to see Tiago and and Naby get 70 minutes, you know, and and see what we can do creatively in the midfield. Have Fabinho play the six still or move Hendo to the six, even though I don't like it defensively, especially where we're kind of, we're collapsing at that, that five minute period where we let in a goal every game now. Um, 
I don't know. It's just I I just don't. I don't know. It was just it was just gut wrenching, really frustrating. You know, I think we're kind of missing, uh, you know, a little bit, and we'll we'll talk about this later too as we kind of prepare for the Chelsea game, who's kind of in contention for that match. Um, Sadio Mane is on in probably one of his worst runs of form, you know, and that's given a player who still has seven goals this year, which is kind of absurd. Um, Doesn't but, feel like it. It's like the least influential seven goals. I know. I mean, he's still top of the, you know, one of the top Premier top League five. players in yeah, terms of goal scoring. Top score. six. It's been one of the longer runs. He had a really good run in kind of like October, um, early November, but he's played eight, over 800 minutes without a goal. He's been just kind of poor. I think it's time for uh, Klopp to put Jota out on the left and bring Bobby back in. I think it's yep. kind of underestimated how much, you know, you people can chat all they want about Bobby not scoring goals, whatever, and that can be their prerogative. Uh, the thing that Bobby does is he, he moves off the ball and he presses. And when you do have those little lacks um, in midfield, where whether ever if we're missing Tiago or, or someone else and we're lacking a bit of creativity, Bobby presses, he drops back and almost acts as that kind of central attacking midfielder. And I think Liverpool's missed that. Um, I think it's also kind of affected the way Mane and Salah are both playing you know, more out wide because Jota's kind of taken up that space more centrally um, forward in the box. So I think... Or even Divock. I, I mean, yeah. I would I would love to see Divock get a game. You know, I, I wouldn't say up against Chelsea. I would love to see Bobby start there and, and let Jota run out on the left. I do agree with that. Um, but I, I even Divock Origi, he's been stellar in the chances that he's been given this year. I let let him get a couple of games on an on an off week. Let your front three at least get some rest somewhere, and and see what it does for you. Yeah, and it might be the summer. Honestly, you know, we flirted with it before, uh, especially the past year, of kind of mixing up that front three, especially with the addition of Jota. I think the summer, you know, could be adding another person, whether they play. He's on the earning left wing his, or centrally. He's just earning his keep. Yeah, I, I agree, but even adding another player beyond that, um, you know, I don't think that means necessarily replacing Mane, but definitely adding another player that can compete for minutes regularly. Because I, I do think we've lacked <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, no, it's it. There's just there's just something missing right now, and and I hope that you know the locker room can settle down and and just kind of figure out what's what's going on and, and get back to the Liverpool's winning ways because we've seen it. We've seen huge flashes of it. Yeah. You know, four four week runs this season with, you know, thirteen goals in three competitions. Like it just we've seen it. We know the the talents there. We're gonna have more midfield pieces coming back. It's looking like Harvey Elliott's getting closer and closer and closer to a comeback which is stellar to see. I was just going to mention uh, that. That right side's going to be thrilling. That would that I think that will bolster the side a lot. So, uh, you know, I don't I don't think it's time to throw in the towel even though it feels like it. It hurts. I'm frustrated. But we're in second place right now with Third a place. game in hand. Third place. Third place. We have, yeah, Chelsea did get a point. After but... Chelsea. But with with a game in hand, correct? Yeah. Um, yeah. so 
Yeah, so, I agree with you. I think uh, Tiago. We have to. We kind of forget that you know Tiago Henderson and Fabinho haven't lost a game yet this season when they're in the midfield. I think they played wonderfully together because they're so complementary. Um, I think when we get Tiago kind of really back into the squad, you know, obviously he's coming back from COVID and Harvey Elliott as well. I think this Liverpool team does get better. But, you know, at the end of the day, we don't have the depth Man City does. We're just not quite as clinical. And we really haven't been over the past three or four years. City have always nope. kind of gone out and got those goals and been better than us or more dominant at least. And so, our style of play is a lot more kind of like chaotic. So yeah. just the, the high pressure and and the, the funky passes, the cross field balls, like I think we play those a lot more frequently and aggressively than City does. Obviously, that's pep football um and it, it shows it shows when we're having to grind out an extra three yeah. four points at the end of the season to catch up and but that's when we play our best football yeah exactly uh it, it definitely looks like a two-horse race here you know chelsea's kind of staying in it with these draws i do think liverpool will pull above chelsea uh, pretty easily but I do kind of want to get your guys' opinions on what the top four is looking like. We haven't really talked about that. We didn't talk about it last week. Arsenal, big 5-0 win over Norwich. We have Manchester United dropping points and Spurs dropping points. So who do you guys have as your kind of um, your last top four side going into the second half? I think it's going to be Arsenal. Arsenal? Yep. Yeah, I, I think I'm convinced by Arsenal against the smaller sides um i think they have a much more defined style of play under arteta and i think that's going to play a really really big part moving into the back half of the season i think united are still kind of adjusting to life under ralph um and it's not really been like that new manager bounce that you expect um they haven't lost a game yet under him but every game that you watch they don't look particularly good uh you look at this draw they just had to newcastle uh former striker made box-to-box midfielder joe linton um absolutely dominated their midfield next to lord voldemort aka john joe shelby <laughs> um when you have the 19th best side and you have the 19th you know yeah the 19th side in the league um their double their two midfielders are dominating yours uh and in a side like that that's how you kind of know you have problems um they're chaotic at the back ronaldo is is just being you know a little bit of a prima donna for the most part but they can't drop him because you know united are a bit more of a brand than a football club nowadays to directly quote josh up there um yeah they, they just don't particularly look good they don't look like they're playing the best players for you know what it's worth so that's why i don't see united sneaking into that fourth spot and similar to spurs um i I don't think that conte has come in and really drastically changed anything i I think the only saving grace for tottenham right now is under conte harry kane looks a little bit more comfortable um he's been back amongst the goals these past couple of weeks so i think delhi's looked better under him as well you see delhi kind of make it starting to make runs that he i haven't saw him make in two or three years yeah, I think Ali has definitely looked like a new player under him too. So that's definitely something to look look at and, you know, be positive about. But I, I think Arsenal have really hit this good run of form. I think their young core that they have pushing them forward this season is, you know, going to take them a really, really long ways. And, and all things considered, I think that the fourth spot is going to be theirs come the end of the season. I think they're going to do it in typical Arsenal fashion. Um, 
but I, I think Arsenal will end up getting that fourth spot come the end of the season. I think they've really turned it around from uh, the way they started and Arteta and the squad in general have made a lot of really positive changes. And Mitch, you think the same? Agreed. Absolutely. Um, barring, you know, injuries, all things considered, I, I think Arsenal will have what it takes to, to hold on to that fourth spot. I think Arsenal still need a little bit of business to get to get that fourth spot. And I'm actually I'm gonna go with the controversial pick and take Man United. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna sneak in. I, I think their defense is shit, but they, they have a little bit of money. I think they probably could do some some more business here in the um winter window. Offloading Martial will help. And I think if you can Who's add buy a, him though? what? Who's gonna buy him though? Uh, Sevilla had put a bit in for him. I'm not sure. We'll we'll see if it happens. I I think United just have you know I don't know Ronaldo's that X factor that you can never count out. And this is me. We were on the phone yesterday, and I was reaming United. You know, Maguire is a shit defender. It's not just a blip in form. He is just bad. Varane didn't look good yesterday. They have some they serious serious problems. But I think Arsenal and Tottenham do as well. And if I'm gonna pick one, I'm gonna pick the team with Ronaldo. Because I just think he's that X factor that scores goals and and wins three points at the end of the day. Yeah, but he's not doing that for him anymore these past few weeks. Like he's looked fucking terrible. Like he was letting the Newcastle fans rattle him before they yeah. even kicked off. This but, this dude cupped his ears to the fans because he scored a goal in the pre match. Like I don't know. I'm just. I think he had his moment when he came in and he was, you know, seeing all over the place and winning him these three points. But, it, you know, he, he just feels like he's always felt to me, you know, not always, but, you know, these past like three, four years, he's just really high on form and then dips and really high and he dips. And I don't know if that's going to be enough to secure United a top four spot against an Arsenal side that to me feel like bare minimum, they're going to get the three points against the size that they should be beating. Yeah, that's fair. I think Arsenal has a lot of drama, too, with the whole Aubameyang thing. They don't really have a captain. Uh, they definitely have some spots of weakness, too. I think Man United, you know, they have Cavani as well. You have a few options. Uh, I do see yeah. them just having enough quality to stay close. And then on the last day, I, I would believe in United more than the other two. That's just my take. Okay. But I, I can, you know, I don't think from. That what you're saying is insane yeah. either. Um, you know, just... I don't know. Maybe it's the City fan in me just being like, absolutely not. Get United in Europa League next year. But I, I think know. there's three teams within a shout. I don't think West Ham is quite there. Just I think they have a lot of fixture overload, and I don't think they quite have the depth. So I think Arsenal, Spurs, United are the three answers. Arsenal are probably the most believable right now. Spurs haven't yeah. lost a game under Conte in the Prem either. Um, and then United are kind of that third option that's a little bit of a wild card, but we'll see what happens with 19 games to go. I yeah, I think the top, I think fourth place is going to be a really fun race to the end. Um, the title might be a fun, you know, might be a fun race. It really depends on how City get through these congested winter fixtures. If City come through and do what they did last year and not drop any points, um, fourth place and relegation is going to be what's going to be fun to watch. But it really feels like City could could pull away come the like end of January, beginning of February. But, you know, we'll see with all that stuff there. Speaking of city, do we want to talk right into the weekend? A little bit of Rick's yeah, picks, a little bit of previews. You guys I'm are excited Arsenal. For this game. You're excited? I think there's going to be loads of goals. I think this is going to be a really, really fun game. Um, yeah, 
I, I think City are going to beat the shit out of them because that, that's what City have been doing. Yeah. Um, they kill them every time we play. But I, I think it's going to be really – it's two sides that both want to play ball. Um, I'm praying that, you know, they don't set up in a, a negative way because they're playing against City, uh, speaking about Arsenal. But, um, you know, it's two sides that have super similar philosophies. You know, Arteta being Pep's understudy for those couple of years that he was uh, the assistant manager over there. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a really, really good game. It should be pretty end-to-end. And, I you know, I'm expecting loads of goals and – City look look pretty good. I think they'll be without Rodri at the weekend, which will probably be, you know, mm. a help to Arsenal. Uh, but Josh, why don't you uh, tell the people where they should put their money for this game? Yeah, so this is the first ever main stand parlay. So this is exciting. So both of these have to hit for your money to to cash if, if you're not familiar with the parlay um, scheme. So the, the two picks here are the Manchester City money line. Um, so just Manchester City winning by any score. Um, plus the game hitting over 2.5 goals um, total for both teams combined. Uh, and the odds on that one are minus 105. I think this is literally just like a 100% chance of happening. Man City winning and this being over 2.5 goals. I don't see any way that Arsenal even draw this game. And I don't see there being a way this game doesn't have like four or five goals in it. Honestly. Uh, Arsenal yeah, haven't I'm, beat City in the Premier League since 2015. It's insane. It's been a while. It's been a while. And if you look at the stats for both these teams too, uh, they're hitting over 2.5 goal mark pretty much every game. Arsenal in six out of their last seven. Man City in eight out of their last nine. Man City have four wins in a row. Uh, I believe like ten in a row in all comp or in uh, the Premier League. Yeah. So. The, the, that loss to Leipzig is the what the hiccup in the all competitions, but yep. uh, Man City are just dominant. I do not think Arsenal has the defense to cope with Man City whatsoever. No, I, I don't either. I think going into this, the that if you're going to put your money on anything, we tell you to put your money on this weekend. I think this is going to be your safest bet. Uh, I don't see it going any other way. Um, my prediction for the game, just for you know anybody out there who cares, I think City are going to win this like. 4-1, 3-0, somewhere yeah. in that ballpark. I think Arsenal might get might get one. Uh, you saw how shaky City looked on the counterattack against Leicester in, that, in the fucking crazy Boxing Day game. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, City's quality is just like way, way, way too much uh, for Arsenal to cope with. And I think it's going to be a pretty convincing City win. We talked about it too. Uh, you know, when Arsenal played Liverpool – it's one of those things to go on a run of wins and be in good form. It's another thing to like play good against good teams. And mm-hmm. I think Arsenal against good teams this year, they have two convincing wins against West Ham and Leicester kind of two fringe teams. Aside from that, when they play a big side, they get drubbed. Usually uh, yep. the five nope. win against Nora doesn't impress me at all. Cause we were talking in the group chat, probably one of the worst premier league teams ever put out on paper. So cool. it's hard yeah. to brag about that. Horrible. Yeah, uh, no piss take for me when Arsenal go into a big game on on good form this week, guys. Sorry, I'm gonna go with the correct answer and pick City. You think you you think you think Norwich would like place top three in the MLS? No. Yeah. Top no. three. No. Top three is a good chance. I don't it, think so. Cantwell would do well. I tried to think of something witty to say because that 
can't well do can't well. well do just well. like triggered something idiom? in my brain. Yeah, can't do well because he's no Carlos Gill. <laughs> ah, anywho, Norwich are shit. Let's talk about two teams that aren't <laughs> shit. Well, that are kind of shit. Um, Lately. Crystal Palace and West Ham. This one's fun. Uh, Crystal Palace, who'd they play? Oh, they won 3 0. Who'd they just play this week? Palace. Was it not Southampton, or am I thinking of a different game? I got you. Hold on. They won 3 0. I know. I watched the game. It wasn't. That was Norwich. Yeah, it was, it was fucking Norwich. Norwich. It was Norwich. Okay. So, not an impressive win. Um, they're kind of both a little bit shaky. I mean, Palace lost the game before this 3 0. Uh, West Ham have been dropping, you know, games they shouldn't drop. They did get a 4-1 win against Watford, but like the the Norwich kind of talk, Watford it's a pretty meaningless uh, fixture in my opinion. Yeah, they're they're both coming off pretty big wins against pretty fucking bad teams, so it's it'll yeah. be fun. Yeah, and head to head they're pretty even against each other. The last five games against one another, they're one, two, and one. So so both even results against one another. Uh, Palace usually hits the over 2.5, so you can look out for that one. They will be without Zaha. He's um, serving a suspension for a red card because he's an idiot, even though I love him. Um, West Ham just haven't been really good. I'm, I'm going to stick with the over 2.5, though. Like I said, Palace generally hits that. I think this game does have goals kind of written all over it, um, especially because... Palace seem to have found their their combination duo up top with Odson Edward um, from Celtic and Benteke. I think they've mm-hmm. been playing really well together. Edward got a goal against Norwich um, this week. I think he's been fantastic. Honestly, he's been one of the signings. Not in terms of like impact, he's not scoring you know twenty goals a year, but he's done really well coming from Scotland, adjusting to the Premier League. I thought he's been really really good. Seven goal involvements since he's came over. Benteke, mm-hmm. kind of just that dependable striker. Um, and then you have Antonio right on the other side, Jared Bowen, all those guys. I think this one's an easy over 2.5 goals. Yeah, it, it feels like the, the game's definitely got a few goals in it for sure. Um, and, and, yeah, on your point about Edward, I think he's been phenomenal. Definitely yeah. one of Palace's best players this season, up, you know, up there with, like, Gallagher. Uh, yeah, West Ham kind of, you know, started hot, not so much anymore. Uh, yeah, you know, pretty much everything Josh said, I'm, you know, relatively in agreement with, uh, I'm excited. This game should be, uh, it should be, a, it should a be fun a fun one, honestly, especially it'll be Selhurst. a very good time. Yeah. Selhurst park, London Derby be fun. Fuck yeah. The weird London Derby. Yeah. Another game in London, Brentford versus Villa. Brentford just lost to, to Pat's, uh, team, Man City one nil decent game. Close. Brentford have had some weird results. They seem, I said this a couple weeks ago, I think, too. They're on, like, the fringe of their season where they could really make a slide, but they're not really playing that bad either. They're losing a lot of pretty tight games to good teams. Um, Villa, kind of the opposite. They're You know, they're playing under Gerrard. They're losing to the, the big teams, which really isn't surprising just because it's Villa. They're winning every other game, which... This one's simple. There's not much research behind this handicap. It, it's just the Villa money line minus 140. Not great value, but I think it's a pretty surefire pick. I think Jared's team just have too much quality for for Brentford to cope with, especially mm-hmm. having um, having played Man City in the midweek. That's a lot of energy to get a 
a 1-0 result against City. It's a lot of running around, covering all ends of the pitch, and I just think they'll be a little bit tired for Villa. Yeah, and as someone who just watched that happen, I could not agree more. Brentford really, really did try to take that game to City tonight, so there's going to be a lot of tired legs. Um, Yeah, yeah, it was... uh, It's also just tough for Brentford, too, coming off of playing you know the sides that they've had to play in their last five or so games they've had to put in a lot of work yeah that was a pretty pretty exhausting game against brighton too like brighton took it to them yeah so kicked out of them by brighton yeah it it just feels like like the villa money line is is a pretty safe one here both yeah both teams in kind of funny form but villa like josh mentioned only losing to the good sides brentford kind of just dropping to everyone um yeah, I don't think yeah. Stevie is even drawn to like a side that's not in the top six. I I, I think yeah. they play pretty well, and he, he has them kind of playing an inspired brand of football right now. Hundred percent. You see yeah. some names too from Villa. Uh, there's some names that weren't really popular under Dean Smith that seem to be very popular under Gerrard, and they're playing well. That Jacob Ramsey kid's pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, Everton Brighton's the next match. This one's funny. I wanted to <laughs> throw a couple bets on this just because Everton fucking suck man they are so ridiculously bad since calvert lewin's been injured i don't even know how rafa still has a job honestly you guys have any takes on everton and just how bad they are i mean i think what's wrong shambles what's wrong with them though like besides calvert lewin being out like they have a decent team they have a they went out and spent however much money last year on those three midfielders I just don't think it's worked. Like, has have one of them really, like, Allen, has he really been, like, the player they expected him to be when they signed him? Like, not really. You know, they, they don't look amazing at the back. They don't really look like they have a ton of structure, you know, anywhere in the side. Um, I don't know. I'm just, when, when I watch that Everton side, I'm just not, like, extremely impressed by anything that they do um you know a lot of their stuff has kind of come more from lucky situations or like one moment of like little little bit of like clinical magic i guess for you know lack of better term but i I just i don't think that they're like super stellar anywhere in the pitch like none of their players really seem to have like a ton of chemistry with each other um yeah, I, I just I just think that there's a lot of like little issues that that Everton have, and and there's not really doesn't really seem like Rafa is doing anything to fix them. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, at the end of the day, there's like not really scoring goals either. I don't I don't think they're like setting up to play to their potential. Obviously, not having Calvert Lewin right now, uh, but like Ra- Rafa, ha- like I've I've seen like bits and pieces of his press conferences and it's just like he he doesn't seem to care it feels like it it seems mm-hmm. like he's just there and i don't know if it if it's the red in him or if it's just his managerial style doesn't fit with the tools that are at everton but it doesn't seem like there's like a a very clear relationship between anyone right now it's just kind of disjointed a player we haven't talked about a lot on the podcast. What do you guys make of him? Do you think he could leave Everton uh, or Charleston? What do you guys make of him? 
I think he's kind of a like a really up and down player. I don't think he's bad by any stretch of the imagination. Like he's had some good games this season. He's had some good games for Brazil, you know, through over the years. He's got really, really good hold up play. He's good on the ball. He's good in the air. Like I don't think he's a bad player. I just don't know if Everton like is the side that's gonna bring the best out of him, but it, it doesn't feel like he does enough to warrant a move to somewhere that will put more quality around him. I I see him more of uh, a Serie A player. Like, I I definitely see him in Italy. Um, I don't know if he I can handle he, the physicality in Italy. I I kind of I kind of think he, like he reminds me a little bit of Benteke, just like the the play style and the inconsistency. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when Benteke was on, Benteke was fucking on. He was on. And Richarlison, he's had these bright shining moments throughout the last few seasons where we see like an amazing striker. He's he's facilitating the offense from the front. And it's just not it hasn't been there. We haven't really heard anything from him this season. Yeah. I I don't know if he would be good elsewhere either. Maybe like an Arsenal or, or something like that. I, I don't think he's going to really make it at Everton. If and, Harry Kane left, I could see him at Tottenham. That'd be an interesting one, honestly. He's a shithouse player, too. He's one of those players you just fucking hate playing against. But, I could see him at, like, Palace, too. Yeah, it's not a bad shout. I, ultimately, you know, Everton, we, we had a big preview for the Merseyside Derby a few weeks ago. And we talked about how Everton, on expected goals versus expected goals allowed, they haven't been expected to win a game since Man United, that 1-1 draw. That's still the case to today. They've just been awful, legitimately, for like two, two and a half months. Um, I have the Brighton draw, no bet. So this is basically Brighton to win the game. Um, gives you a payout of plus 110. If Brighton draw, you get your money back. If they lose, you obviously lose the bet. This is great value because Brighton just are hard to beat. I think Brighton have only lost like two or three games all year. They're just a tough side to break down. Um, we saw that, you know, against Chelsea today. 1-1 draw, Welbeck scored a late goal uh, against the Blues at Stamford Bridge. They're just a really tough side. Um, they looked really, really good against Brentford. Yeah. Like that that one-touch flick goal um, – just the distribution and the pressure that they're able to apply with, with who they have in the side is just really something, something that is, Mm -hmm. is cool to see in a side like Brighton. Yeah. And we saw it when they played Liverpool too. compact, hard to break down, hard to score goals against. And you know, one of their, I think main traits is their defense. They like to keep the game on a narrow score line. So this is the second bet for this game, not a parlay, just an individual bet. I have this one under 2.5 goals as well. Um, this has been true in Brighton games for their last seven matches. They, they've kept games under 2.5 total goals. This one's odds of minus 140, so a little bit less value, but still one I think is a pretty safe bet given that Everton you know, can't score a goal to save their life. Yep. Yeah, that's safe. Um, and that's talking Everton. Brighton aren't particularly good at scoring goals either. So No. No, that's very true. <laughs> but we hope they at least oh, yeah. get a goal so they can win and deliver on the draw no bet. Um, 
bomb play. Right. We just need a one nil and yeah. the people are happy. You, you know what? Two nil even works. A Malpai goal. Just some shit housing to the Everton <laughs> fans. I'd be fine with that. Right. Correct. All and, right. On to the biggest game of the weekend. Yes. Sure. Uh, we got Chelsea and Liverpool in action this weekend. Uh, yeah. Both are in kind of a funny spot for form. Um, you can say that. Guys, uh, I'll let you two do a majority of the talking, and then I will give my my two cents at the end here. You're blue-blooded biased. Mitch isn't going to agree the, with me. It's in the kit. I know it already. That's oh, not a bad thing. I just if if you're gonna leave with that, you gotta you gotta go first then, because I gotta I hear go what you first. have to say that I'm not first. gonna agree with. I, I don't think you're gonna agree with me because generally, I do think you are very good at shouting when like Liverpool isn't favored in a matchup. I always back Liverpool after defeat or poor result. I always think yep. they'll they'll snap out of it, and a lot of times they do. Uh, sometimes this season they haven't, but I kind of do favor that even at Stamford Bridge. Liverpool have the best of Chelsea. Uh, in the past 11 games against Chelsea, you know, they're 5-3-3, three, and three, so they've actually got more wins than Chelsea recently in that head-to-head battle. Andy Robertson's going to be out, which means Costa Simicas is going to play in that, you know, left-back role. I think he's been playing really well, still whipping balls in. Trent's been playing well attacking-wise. You know, I, I think that does um, hurt Chelsea's attack going forward because Reese James is going to do a little bit more defending. Um, so is Alonso. Just because our, our, you know, outside backs are going to be pushing up the field and there's going to be a lot of defending on those wings. And that's going to be a really important um, kind of facet of the match out there. Um, I also think the impact of how Klopp sets up Sadio Mane in the front three, if he benches Mane, brings Firmino in, is going to have a lot of impact on this game. I think Firmino is the play in the middle with Jota out left. I think if he does that, Liverpool are the favored team. I have the Liverpool draw no bet again at minus 125. Liverpool are the favorites in this match. I just think Chelsea are having a little bit of a hard time scoring goals still. I think Liverpool are going to snap out of this um, kind of rut of bad form. And even generally when Liverpool play bad like they did against Spurs, you know, last weekend, they scored two goals. I think if they can get two goals on the board, um, they'll win this game. I, so... I wouldn't necessarily say I disagree with you. Um, but I will say where I disagree with you, I think the biggest change needs to come in the midfield for a game like this. Um, and if we do see Tiago in the midfield with Fabinho and Hendo even, I think that is a bigger move than having Ox there. I think having somebody to put pressure to to draw out a defender from the box to open it up a little bit more is huge, but I would love to see Bobby get a start in this game. I'm going to say it's going to be either a 1-1 or a 2-2 draw. That's fair. Thoughts on Navi? I, hell, give Fabinho a break and let Navi slide in and and have Naby and Tiago get creative. I think Chelsea has too much attacking to presence, especially in that upper midfield with Mount and Havertz to to not play Fabinho. I think Fabinho is going to be arguably probably the man of the match if I had to predict it beforehand. I think he's going to have a huge saying, job. Um, if if Liverpool 
bounce back how Liverpool used to bounce back or have in the last couple of years from a frustrating loss like that against Leicester. Fuckers. <laughs> uh, you know, if if it ends up being like a 3-1 win for Liverpool, Jota's going to be man of the match. That's fair. I don't mind that shout. I uh, I also have another bet on this one too, another individual bet. I have both both teams to score minus one sixty five. This one is definitely not a ton of value in this, but I think it's pretty sure money. Uh, Liverpool haven't held a clean sheet in four matches, and they generally don't hold clean sheets against Chelsea. So I think this one's a pretty safe bet as well. I think this will be if I had to pick a score line, I'd say two one Liverpool. But that's my We're thoughts on that one. Neighborhood. We're not so far off, Josh. Don't don't be so pessimistic. You think I'm the pessimistic one around here, around these parts. Here is uh, where I differ from you guys. Pat Let's thinks Chelsea it. are going to win, damn it. I, I think it's going to be a tight draw, but if a team is going to win, I think it's going to be Chelsea. Uh, I think... Liverpool showed against Leicester. They kind of struggled to break down those teams. They're going to play off of them. I think if you look at the reverse fixture, Chelsea, if I remember correctly, scored an early goal and looked relatively comfortable with that one goal lead until Reese James got sent off. Um, I was comfortable with 10 men for the rest of the game too. I just think the way that Chelsea play and where Liverpool struggle the most against teams really feeds into Chelsea. Um, I think this game is going to be decided by who scores the first goal. Uh, I think if Chelsea get on the board before Liverpool, uh, they're going to walk away with all three points and, or at least a point a piece. I really, really, think Liverpool are just going to have a tough time breaking down this Chelsea side. Um, you know, Chelsea's strategy in big games this season has generally been, you know, especially against sides like Liverpool and against City, it's put everyone behind the ball and hit them on the counterattack. And I think that's the place that Liverpool in particular have looked the most vulnerable this year is in transition. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's why I, I think that if a team is going to walk away with three points, it's going to be Chelsea. Uh, that being said, my prediction is a 1-1 draw. It's a fair pick, I think. But A lot of picks this weekend. It's going to be hard to go to Vegas with, I think, eight picks. I don't think we're going to Vegas this weekend, but fuck, if we, if we go to yeah. Vegas on eight picks... Bring, bring the Brinks truck, goddammit. All my money somewhere in Las Vegas. Yeah, I deserve a suite at the Mandalay if, if I go to Vegas this week. <laughs> so the next little piece of talk here, you know, we got the January window coming up. We got a, you know, some transfer news. It's, you know, floating around in the ether here. Just a couple of things we wanted to chat about. I think the first one and probably the biggest one, at least for us is Lorenzo Insigne is going to Toronto FC. Stupid. Eleven million a season. Eleven million guaranteed with five million almost in bonuses. That's uh, that's dumb money uh, for a great talent that's only twenty nine years old. Also, this deal is for five years. This guy is pretty much still in the prime of his career. Napoli heavily depends on him week in week out. 
and he's about to dip in the summer. Dude's about to come to Toronto. He's about to go to the six and make $55 million. Is it? Ham it up in the fucking MLS, man. That is insane. I mean, I'd do it. Don't get me wrong. If I'm Insigne and Toronto FC wants me to come live out the last five years of my career, give me $55 million fucking dollars minimum to do this five-year contract, I'm there. See you, Napoli. I've had a nice... I've had a nice, you know, 12, 11, 12 year career in Europe. I'm going to go get the bag. See you guys later. You know, is this like, is this earlier than it should happen? And, and, and because of it being earlier than it should happen, I just said that because I full and well know he's like, five years too early on like he should have signed the contract with napoli and then and then when that's done in five years or four years then go to the mls that's like that's the age range we're talking when we had gerard when we had Keane, when we had fucking zlatan beckham is this the start of players recognizing that the MLS is a feasible place to earn money and play football? I think it depends on the player, but I mean, yes. I think if you're a, a top, top level player, like, you know, like a top three, top five in your position, uh, you're still going to earn that money in Europe. And, you know, I think the draw is also trophies, you know, in Europe, you know, staying at the top of your game, um, being able to play for your national team, everything like that. Um, I think if anything, this just kind of makes the MLS look a bit more like a retirement league, even if Insigne is coming at only 30. Um, The amount of money that they have to pay him to get him to come to the MLS, I think it only speaks to the fact that people are coming to the MLS as a cash grab and and really not anything else. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think he might be one of the top three players, though, in the MLS, like entire history in terms of talent, like currently. Yeah, it's like him, Ibrahimovic, Beckham. Beckham, yeah, those are yeah. the three. How many goals is he getting in his first season? Thirty. I mean Wayne Rooney too. Oh, Wayne Rooney. Yeah, no, Rooney's Rooney's probably in the top three. Get Beckham out of there. Yeah, dump Beckham for Rooney because Rooney for DC United was actually very sick. Yeah, I mean, but just think he was coming off fucking Everton, not even Man United years. He was done, done, dusted. Did he, did he have legs at that point? Like, yeah, he, he was. Did, did, there was that that iconic. Yeah, I know it was. Like, like no, I, I'm I, no, I'm like I know he had the legs, but like he's he must be running on bloody stumps at this point. Like in his career, like. When he was oh, in the man. MLS, to be able to do what no. he was doing at his age is insane. Yeah, but no, uh, Insigne bangs in 30 his first MLS season. I don't think that's a question. He's so good, man. I wanted him at Liverpool for so long. Since we like really played them in the Champions League that first time, I was just like fascinated by him. He's such a good player, man. Yeah, he's so- insane. I think he's going to tear up the ML. He makes Toronto like instant MLS Cup contenders next year. I- I'm buying yes. tickets to the Minnesota United match like way ahead of time. If they, I hope Toronto plays there. 
Smart man. Hey, Mitch, if Toronto were coming to Gillette. When uh, when Messi decides to retire in the MLS and come play for Bruce Arenas, do you think they open up the entire seating capacity at Gillette? <laughs> That'd be lit. If Messi actually comes and retires in the MLS, we're thinking way ahead of ourselves here. But if he does, I think he does. I will be buying tickets directly behind whatever bench he's sitting on. Boys, dude, I don't think we've talked about this actually because we did a solo app. There was one of me and Mitch. Your boy's going to a World Cup qualifier in a few weeks. I don't think we've talked Yo, about this on the pod. Yeah, we haven't. We we got we got to talk transfer news, and then we can we can we can get into that after. But that oh, wow. is absurd. Anyway, next transfer on the list um, is one that I I feel obligated to talk about. Do uh, it, Aaron Torres, a guy I really had been big up in. Um, you know, at the start of this year for sure. Uh, 55 million pounds uh or 55 million euros off to barcelona 10 million in add-ons um yeah i mean it's not great but at the same time we just sold a bench player really a guy who only played like a handful of games for us this season for 55 million euros Mm. potentially climbing to 65 so it feels like decent business. Um, apparently, he didn't want to be there. Uh, and I, I kind of like how City kind of have that, you know, culture now of, you know, to, apparently Torres just knocked on Pep's door and was like, I don't want to be here anymore. And Pep was like, all right, see ya. And that was that. Let him leave. Um, you know, 55 million euros for a guy who doesn't really want to be there and, you know, only played a handful of games for us that we only bought for 30 million a couple years ago. It, it's, you know, like I said, it feels like all right business. It, it lets city fund the eventual transfer uh, this summer of like a big name striker, like the, you know, the piece of the missing piece of the puzzle, so to speak, has been a really recognized number nine. So any amount of funds that they can, they can pool together to make that happen. I think it is good in the long run. Um, clearly we haven't really needed Torres, Um they, we haven't been playing with a recognized striker for almost the last two seasons. And, you know, where we won a title, went to a Champions League final, we're well on our way to winning another title. And the knockout runs in the Champions League haven't started yet, and it's Manchester City, so I'm not saying we're going to another final. I would be a fucking madman to making that prediction live on the air like that. But Are we getting hot with it? It, it, it puts money where money needs to go. And uh, using Liverpool fans' logic, we only paid $45 million for Jack Grealish now. So all in all, I think it's a great deal. <laughs> I don't think it's bad either, honestly. And I think it's pretty evident of, like, Pep's plans uh, for letting him go that easily. Like you said, he came in, said he wanted to go, and Pep let him go. As long as he was getting a fair price for him, it wasn't a big deal. So that's obviously kind of evident that Pep didn't see him as that imperative to the squad or the team's performance. Um I think it might have something to do with the soft spot that Pep and the rest of our board has for Barcelona too. A lot of the guys like in our, in the the, the upper level of like the sporting side of city, like Tishi Berengstein, Farron Soriano, Pep Guardiola, they all kind of have roots back to Barcelona. So I think that kind of plays into it too, but you know, at the same time, it's good money for a bench player and we'll be signing a city. will be signing a real striker this summer. Yeah. Yeah, good job laundering your money. That is all. <laughs> no, that's Barcelona and Paulinho, not City and anybody. Well, you want to talk about a little bit of a more low-key 
a low-key transfer. I don't even know how to pronounce this guy's first name. But he's from Dynamo Kiev, uh, Mykolenko. This is going to be the guy that replaces Luca Dina at Everton because Dina's had some bust-ups with Benitez, apparently, kind of behind the scenes at Everton. He's not happy and he doesn't like the way Benitez wants to play, thinks the club's being run poorly. So they're they're shipping him off for this this guy. And I've heard a lot of really good things about him on uh, football Twitter. I'm kind of excited to see it because we saw, mm-hmm. uh, I believe, is Kiev in Ukraine? It must be. Yes, Dynamo Kiev yes. in Ukraine. So Ukraine left back. We we know one Ukraine left back that's pretty decent. So I'm I'm kind of excited to see how this guy does. It'll be interesting. Supposedly I don't know it's if already it solves, completed. I don't know if it solves their problems, but we'll we'll see if it's somebody that uh, Rafa wants and uh, it solves a problem in the in the dressing room. Why not? Let's see what happens. Just another Shake piece of the the transfer the transfer T puzzle. Um, I thought it was interesting. Anything that hinders Luca Dina is pretty funny in my opinion. So <laughs> sounds like he's going to Chelsea too. That that kind of feels like it's uh, the the one place I've seen is a uh, you know getting him on, in on loan with option to buy for uh, Be- to replace Ben Chilwell. Yep. I hate him so much. Of course, he wants to go to Chelsea. <laughs> Next one, Onana to Inter Milan. What do you guys think? This one's really interesting, in my opinion, because Onana's been out for a little bit because he had that suspension for the steroids. What do you guys make of this one? I, uh, I think it's interesting. I need to remind myself where this man plays. Oh, he's the the goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played for I mean, Ajax. That's a, that's a great move. He played for Ajax, I think he's right? A really, really good goalkeeper. I I think that's a good. I think that's a good move. Uh, who's who's he competing with? Inter? Is it still uh, Handanovic? Yeah, Handanovic. Yes. Yeah, I think it's good competition at a a pretty high level Italian side. I think it's like a, a good step up for a keeper like him. Um. I think the steroids thing is a little funny, but you know, as a I, keeper, it's healthy competition at a team that's going to win titles in a league that's regarded a little bit higher up than the, than the Italian league. So it, it feels like a pretty good move. And, you know, it's kind of the next step for, for a guy like him to maybe be making a move to, you know, a club regarded as like a little better than Inter right now. So I, I like it. I like it. I think it's a good move now that I remembered who he was. Yeah, good for him too. Honestly, like sitting out that long and getting to a club like Inter, that's pretty solid. If you're him, you're looking that at that and you're pretty happy. Um, yeah. Another Italian move: Ainsley Maitland-Niles to Roma. We saw some English players go to Italy recently. Tammy Abraham have some success. What do you guys Chris think about Smalling. this? Yeah, Chris Smalling. Chris Smalling. Uh, it's <laughs> I think it's kind of funny that. Moves just pulling people from England. <laughs> I don't oh, mind yeah. Maitland Niles, honestly. I think Arsenal, he's kind of got the Oxlade Chamberlain treatment a little bit from Arsenal, in, in my opinion. He's been moved around. Yeah. Uh, not really respected by the fans. He's kind of injured, you know, quite frequently. I think going to Roma is a great place for him to go and just kind of reset. Yep. Yeah, I think he's wanted out for a while. You know, he made that Instagram story about wanting to leave the club and. They still didn't let him. So I, I honestly, it just feels like Maitland Niles is going to go anywhere that Arsenal let him go yeah. at this point. But I do think Roma's a good move. He's playing under a manager like Mourinho, which is a little nah. <laughs> but yeah, a good move. A, a good a career move for the kid. He just wants to be playing ball again. Sigs and pizza, baby. Sigs and pizza. <laughs> and wine. And Vino. 
Dennis Zachariah, this is one that broke today, uh, wants to leave Mönchengladbach. There's a few clubs interested, I believe. It was like Juve, Madrid, two English clubs. Um, this is a, this is a pretty good one because he's a young attacker. Uh, I'd like to see Liverpool go after him, honestly. I'm surprised he hasn't left earlier. Yeah. He's always kind of been – he's the, the Swiss midfielder, right? He's always been – How old is he? Do we know – I'll pull up uh, the Wikipedia here. Dennis Zachariah. I know that he's he's a pretty good name. Uh, he's definitely been flirted around. A tr- oh, he's 25. Yeah, he's 25. Yeah, he's the he's a, like a box to box midfielder for Munching. He was a, a city. He was on City shortlist to replace Fernandinho a little while ago. I'm like I said, I'm surprised he hadn't left sooner. I think he had a little bit of injury trouble in the past. Um, I know that there were reports last year that he had agreed to, I believe, a pre contract with Bayern, and you know that never really actually turned out to be true but he had always kind of been pulling interest from these bigger clubs and he's a quality player you know when city had played him in or played not him specifically played against him in you know the champions league ties they've had against gladback in the past couple years he's always been a player that's impressed me um Hmm. yeah i I think whoever picks him up is getting like a a pretty quality player for for what it's worth it I, i mean he's not like young and up and coming anymore he's 25 and he's clearly still got years left to play and and a lot of the times you see these defensive midfielders maybe peak a little bit later so he's definitely still got time to develop a little bit as a player uh but uh, yeah uh, it'll be fun i think if he ends up leaving gladbach i think whoever get him have a good player on their hands um maybe somebody like uh like a united or an arsenal could use him like a really solid defensive midfielder with Thomas Party not really cutting it for Arsenal and yeah. United not really having a good defensive midfielder at all on their books right now. He's been mid, man, since coming from Atletico. Arsenal do need another CDM. Yeah, uh, so uh, allegedly the teams are um, in the English. There's two or three English teams in the mix, Liverpool, West Ham, and Arsenal. West Ham, the, West Ham West Ham would be a good spot for him too they do like a double pivot him and Rice that'd be sick that would be insane it's such a Moise formation double pivot it is uh, staying in the Bundesliga Rafinha to Bayern Munich this one's not super surprising because I just think the Leeds thing just hasn't worked out no, no but he's a really, really shit. good player so I think he's going to tear it up at Bayern yeah, he's he's gonna have some opportunities, and Sane's at Bayern too, right? Yeah, Sane, Nabry, they have a really really good team. They have good wingers, oh. which yeah scares so he's me a gonna little be... bit for like competition. Is he gonna? Yeah, have, there's have a, a lot breaking? of competition. Yeah, yeah, but Bayern are always in so many different competitions too. Like they always make deep runs in the German Cup. Like when it gets down to the nitty gritty, like they're always gonna be able to rotate players because they're always gonna be winning in the Bundesliga. Um, you know, there's the DFB Pokal and the other German cup that they're, they're in, they have the champions league. So yeah, really it's just like, who's going to be playing on the opposite wing of Sané right now for Bayern. And I don't think it's a stretch to say that Rafina could give Nabry a little bit of healthy competition. Absolutely. And then we, we have a lot of people in the Bundesliga getting targeted right now. Matthias Ginter announcing that he is leaving Mgladbach at the end of at the end of the season so 
um, just kicking off the winter transfer window with, hey, this is what I'm doing this summer. Peace out. Man, they're losing, uh, they're losing some pretty key defensive pieces. They, they've been one of the better are. defensive teams in the Bundesliga the past few years. They have, and um, I don't know. Is, is it trouble in paradise to players not want to be in the Bundesliga anymore because <laughs> it's just Bayern and then their rotated team is the rest of the league? Yeah. ESPN FC. ESPN plus FC. <laughs> uh, so he he's linked with uh with a potential move to Inter and then um also a kind of sneaky link to Liverpool uh with his connection to Jurgen Klopp and making his debut under Klopp. So there's um a couple teams on the market for uh for Ginter. I don't necessarily think we need to go out and get a defender, but no. Our yeah. our defensive core is is pretty solid especially as center back pairings you know we have four healthy i mean he could be a viable replacement to joe gomez yeah i was gonna say i think gomez is gonna leave here pretty soon so another bundesliga player that's kind of um could be a bundesliga player i should say for a bundesliga team wolfsburg targeting ricardo pepe what do you guys think of that one a u.s men's national team player going over to germany Yes, yes, yes. Get Pepe in Europe. Yeah. He is good. I want him playing with good players and getting legitimate game time against actual talented people. He did great in the MLS. Get him to Europe. Get him some minutes. Get in the goals. Please, I'm begging you, Ricardo Pepe. Go to Wolfsburg. Go play with your go play with your homeboy John Brooks. Get the fuck in there. I like it. Well, I like it a lot. I like when any young, talented American makes a move to a Europe. decent European yes. side. Yep. Can I ask why Germany has become the stepping stone for American players? Not as harsh as some of the other leagues. I think Serie A is pretty defensive, hard to get used to. Premier League so fast-paced. I think the Bundesliga is a pretty easier um, setup in terms of you know transitioning from the MLS to the Bundesliga, I think it's probably the most similar in terms of style of play and speed, all that stuff. Yeah, I think the the Bundesliga is like kind of high pressure, like back and forth kind yeah. of nature you see in a lot of these games between most sides, you know, Bayern Munich excluded because they just kill everyone. But um, you know, I think that's where a lot of these, why a lot of these, you know, young American players that come from a league like the MLS, it's like super end to end, a little bit chaotic, like, over the top balls, a lot of running in the midfield. Um, and that's, I think, why you kind of see the the similarities to like the the high intensity game style um, in the in Germany compared to the USA. It's like you know, like Josh said, it's a similar style of play, but the the quality kind of takes a step up. And a, a lot of these um, these German sides, like the North America in particular, a lot of like you saw Alfonso Davies come from Canada and go there, but the MLS just seems like a, a good place that these, these sob, these German sides just kind of like picking players out of. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a little thinker here. Did Jurgen Klinsmann do better than we thought? Establishing that, I think he es- establishing that, ever had. that relationship too, that German link, um, you know, his experience and his relationships really kind of catapulted a lot of these transitions He's the best coach we've had in recent years. So, interesting. I, uh, you know, that's a thinker right there, Josh. Huh? I yeah. love Jurgen Klinsmann. I'm a Klinsmann 
enthusiast. We're a big Jurgen podcast. Any Jurgens? Uh, Jurgens. Any Jurgens hit us up. We'll have a Jurgen segment. Jurgen fest. And we'll just bitch the whole time. <laughs> yeah, Jurgen fest. <laughs> Fuck you guys. <laughs> podcast. We're just gonna complain about shit Fuck you for an hour and a half. All right. <laughs> Next segment here. Y'all ready to play the stock market? Josh, why don't you explain to the people what this segment's going to be all about? Yeah, new new segment here. We might do it through through January. Who knows? We're going to do transfer stocks. Who's up? Who is down on the player stock market? So we're going to get a, a, a player. Doesn't They don't really necessarily have to be on the transfer market, but a player whose value is up or a player whose value is way down. Uh, that's it's, it's as straightforward as it gets. I think you guys will get the segment kind of once we get into it here every week let's say we'll do this in january uh maybe it will do this another time in january maybe we'll do two who knows uh we'll each have a player whose stock is up we'll each have a player whose stock is down and kind of give a little bit of an explanation so stonks why don't we go um the players who are up in stock uh we'll each do it and then we'll do the down ones that sound good sounds good to me let's get it Okay, I'll go first. Uh, my guy who is up in stock is the 18-year-old from Germany, uh, Bayer Leverkusen player Florian Wirtz. Uh, this one's an interesting one. We've we've kind of started seeing his name a little bit more. He is a special player, and he's young, so I think he's a, a target for a lot of big teams kind of across Europe. And Leverkusen, we kind of know, is one of those stepping stone clubs of it's the the club you play for right get right before you get that kind of massive big transfer, right? Currently he's valued at $77 million. That's a 191% increase from last year um up over $50 million um as an increase. Like I said, he's only 18, already has 5 goals and 8 assists this year in the Bundesliga in just 15 appearances. 33% of Leverkusen's goals he's involved in. Um, he's a real, real hound for, for assists. Uh, 0.43 assists per 90. That's in the 97th percentile for midfielders in Europe's top five leagues. He, he's just a, a creator, man. Uh, another stat for you guys, 4.6 shot creating actions per 90 minutes. Again, 88th percentile for midfielders in Europe. I, I think he's just a wonderful player. And we saw kind of these players come from Leverkusen, Hyunmin Son, um, Kai Havertz. I think he's going to be kind of of that mold. I think he'll go to a really big club and, and be a brilliant player. Maybe not this year, but definitely in the near future. Any thoughts on him, I guys? Dig it. I dig it. I, I think you uh, you nailed it on the head with your analytics. Josh analytics really over him. here. Josh play Adams. much this season but i think the statistics are they speak for themselves and really speak to how well this guy is playing um it's much more eloquently put than mine is because i didn't <laughs> use statistics for mine at all i took this in a totally different direction um so i guess i'll just share mine now so my up is frankie de Jong. Um, and the reason I think his transfer stock is up is because he is one of the two players. The other one is my down. I'll share him later. He's one of the two players that has been making headlines at Barcelona because they are willing to sell them. So I'm putting his stock up because he is the one that people will probably want to buy. Um, so 
he's been a little on the fence form wise this season, which I, you know, in fairness, you could say that he's down to, but the reason I will say his transfer stock is up is because he's young. He's clearly very talented and whatever side gets him knows they're getting a player with a lot of individual quality. And once he finds his feet again, can very easily hit the highs. We saw him hit in his like first season with Barcelona and in that incredible season with Ajax. Um, so think of Frankie de Jong like you're buying Bitcoin when it <laughs> you know it can go, you know it's gonna go back up eventually. So you get it when it's low because you know it's it's going back up. It's go it's going to rise. You have to get it when the getting is good. That's I can't argue shout. with that. That's a good shout. Um, <clears throat> my stonk player that is skyrocketed in value year over year, uh, the attacking midfielder from RB Leipzig, Christopher Nkunku. Uh, last season, last season, 18 goal involvement, seven goals and uh, 11 assists in 40 competitions last year. 40 or 40 appearances uh, with an estimated market value of uh, roughly 24 million. This season in 25 appearances has 15 goals and 10 assists. The man is on an absolute tear value is skyrocketed up to 65 million. Uh, He's 24 years old. He's having a breakout year for sure. And uh, if somebody wanted to get on on this Dogecoin stock, they missed the boat already. This is a good shout, Mitch, just because I think Leipzig is a selling club too. Um, so this is just you can. This is good business by them, and I think they are going to cash in when that bid comes knocking, especially if they can you know double, triple their money on him. He, he's a great player right in the prime of his career. So mm-hmm. yeah, when Michael Edwards takes over, he can sell him to Liverpool. Exactly, exactly. Buy, buy low, sell high. Don't forget it. And uh, on on the decline, well, stock market's down for some people. You know, it's not it's not always good in these streets. Uh, down, Sadio Mane. It's a tough one. In the last two seasons, his market value has been cut in half. He is. 50% off right now. He is only $15 million valued right now worth $15 million more than what we signed him for from Southampton. Let that sink in. This man was valued at $165 million in the nineteen twenty season. Or sorry, eighteen nineteen. Yeah, eighteen nineteen season. Two years ago. That spin on Manuel Neuer did a lot, man. <laughs> that one spin. Um, <clears throat> but uh, he has 10 big chances missed this year alone, uh, which is one behind Sala with 17 fewer shots. Yeah, he's had a tough time. But I love him. I, lo- I love Sadio Mane. The story's great. He's been a prolific like he is a top attacker in Liverpool history. No ifs, ands, or buts. But over the last two seasons, to have your estimated value get cut in half 
is insane. Yeah. Playing playing as regularly as he does. And that kind of speaks volumes as to kind of where the hole in our attacking side is right now, as as much as it pains me to say it. But that's that's Mane down. I, I mean, would have sold, should have sold Mane two years ago. What? In fairness to the market value drop, aside from the poor form this past, like, year and a half, he's almost yep. 30. Yep. And it, it, he's not, like a, – a global brand so right you would expect He's, him to drop a little bit but but not as drastically like it has been a very fast decline well yeah but i see what you're saying i i do think that his stock is definitely down but i also oh it's no like a it's, little harsh on the dude you know it no it like but that's that's the name of the game that's, That's the name That's of the fair. game. That's fair. His value has receded faster than his hairline, all things considered. <laughs> That's tough. Mine's getting there. Mine is getting there. Let's uh let's watch oh, the hairline jokes, Patrick. I'm old. I'm gonna make them more now. What do you mean? Uh another player whose value has just fucking plummeted is uh Mark Andre Terstegen, man. Holy shit, is this guy bad? <laughs> Still ninety overall uh, in FIFA somehow. Barca have put this guy on the chopping block and I don't know who the fuck wants to buy him. Uh, he is my down, my downward spiral player because fuck man, he is terrible. I think the statistic is he ranks uh, like third lowest in, uh, in saves. He's got like the third highest goals conceded in La Liga right now. He just has no confidence. He's got no hands. He can't pass the ball out of the back, which is like the only thing you would expect the Barcelona keeper to be able to do right now uh he's just down horrendously and whoever buys this man is going to be paying inflated wages for a goalkeeper who's just like way past it right now um you know you know maybe maybe you know a team picks him up because it's like we need a new goalie he's you know he's has been class in the past and you know we, we need a guy to just come in sit between the sticks and you know be a name that gives our defense a little bit more confidence but man he just is not the player that he used to be at all. And and, and his decline this past like year has just been tough to How see. How old is Ter Stegen? I want I want to say like early 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 thirties, late. Like thirty one. Let's uh let's take 30, the 31. your standby folks. Remember we've said this multiple times on this podcast. We are not an analytics company. Like for for a goalkeeper, like that is kind of prime time. And to be He's twenty nine. He's twenty nine, so he's he should be hitting his prime like last year. But man, he's not goalies peak late. But man, he stinks they, right now. He's just so bad. Yeah, he's not good. And, and and it's just, I don't, I don't like, I don't see a club in the Premier League that he would like. He would come to like. Oh hell club. no! He'd go back to Germany or he'd go to like. <laughs> He'd go. He'd he'd go to like something. He'd not. There's no club in the Prem that would want him right now. Would he go to like Borussia, Dortmund? Maybe he'd go black back to Gladbach if he'd go anywhere in Germany. But like, I don't think he's better than Jan Sommer right now. No. No, no God, no. But it, it would be a competition. He's nah, I don't sadly, think so. I think sadly, he's just it, another it, man it would, that it was... would put. It would push that push Jan to just be a little that much better. Yeah, I having guess. somebody like that on his ankles. 
Sadly, I, Ter Stegen is just another man that was broke by Divock Origi. Yeah, I think he's just going to rot on Bar. It rot in between the sticks at Barcelona and eat away at their wage bill until his contract runs out. I don't see anybody buying him. I also don't see anybody buying the guy you're going to be talking about, Josh, but go for it. Yeah, Anthony Martial. Uh, <laughs> talk about a player who has gone downhill. His wife been chirping, chirping, chirping on every single social media channel about he's going to Real Madrid. Oh, my God. The biggest load of nonsense. He's the biggest shit player. He's probably the most overhyped player in the past 10 years. Man United literally thought this guy was going to be Thierry Henry. Uh, I don't even know. I'm trying to find a player to compare him to, but he really has had a stark, stark downfall. Uh, One goal this year so far. Um, He's down to... A current valuation of about $35 million. That's down 41% from last year, uh, which he was up $25 million. So, what's that, 60 Um He just uh, – there was at one point I thought he was a little bit quality. He just he, – he literally isn't even good enough to get in this Man United side. Uh, you see some young kids passing him in the depth chart. I don't see – I know Sevilla just put a bid in for him. I don't know where he's going to go. But some team is going to get him, and they are going to get him for pennies on the dollar because he sucks. I'll tell yeah. you who's going to take him. Roma. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Roma's he, just taking everyone. <laughs> my my whole thing with this one is that I think his whole value initially was just so inflated by Man United fans who were, oh, he, it's winter, he's got the gloves on, he, he's French, he's so drippy, he has the swag, he has the... You know, the it's, like, it's like Martial with the gloves is like Jeremy Lin with a mask. Exactly. He really just like he, gloves and put fear in anyone's heart with Sergio Aguero. And don't you forget it. <laughs> I don't know. Drogba gloves were pretty scary. I don't know, man. Aguero scored 82 more goals than Mr. Drogba. So Ronaldinho gloves was pretty scary. What's impressive is Pat knew that number off the top of his head. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my uh down though when it comes to player stocks that wraps up the first week of player stocks we might do it again might not who knows uh definitely have some graphics for it up on the insta though we're gonna um, get graphic with it it's episode 20 boys and i think that kind of wraps things up do we have any uh any closing points any new year's resolutions my new year's resolution is for liverpool to get their shit together and start bagging some goals yeah, I think mine is for Klopp to start playing Firmino again. Pat, and, and Felice and Abby I don't Ladd. have any New Year's resolutions. Every time I've tried to make them, they just haven't fucking worked out. So, My other New Year's resolution is for all of you people who listen to the podcast to subscribe to it. It's not that hard. All you do is click the button under the YouTube link, subscribe. Subscribe on Spotify so you get that notification every time a new episode comes out. If you're listening, you know, thank you for making it to the end of the podcast. Please like it. Please share with your friends. I think that wraps it up, though, this week, boys. Yep. Okay. Actually, no, I have one. I have a closing statement in the sharing of the podcast. Plug your phone into the whatever New Year's party you're at this weekend <laughs> and play our pod over the speakers. Thank you. That is a good closing <laughs> remark. Wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. I'm kissing Pat when the ball drops. We will see you guys next week.
Deuces. Oh, actually, actually. Oh, oh my God, this kid again. Quantify oh. put out a new feature where you can rate podcasts. So Ooh. actually, listen to this episode, open Spotify, hit the little three dots right next to the gear and rate the show. Give us five stars and send us a screenshot of you doing that and I'll kiss you on the lips. Yes, and put in the Instagram comments, give us a match rating, each three of us. Give us a match rating every episode individually. We'd like to do see it. That. Do it, do it, do it. All right, that's actually the end of the episode. Goodbye, happy new year. I'll see you all in 2022. Deuces. Peace.